Good morning. I'd like to welcome all of you to our worship service here at Reveille United Methodist Church. Whether you are a member or a visitor, we are glad that you are here. Uh, we welcome those who are joining us in person. We welcome those who are worshiping with us online. My name is Stephen Coleman. I'm one of the associate pastors here at Reveille. Our lead pastor, the Reverend Dr. Pete Moon, is preaching this morning. Today, we are continuing our sermon series about hard questions. Uh, last week, we talked about why doesn't God show up. Uh, today, Pete is going to be uh, talking about is God as excluding as the church sometimes seems. So we are glad that you are here. Uh, also, next week, we will have Dr. Carla Works here with us. Uh, she is a dean at Wesley Theological Seminary, uh, and she's going to be talking about where is God in the Middle East. So we hope you'll come back and join us next week uh, for her sermon. She will also be in our fellowship hall following the 11 o'clock service for a lunch and to answer questions. Uh, and so we invite you to attend that launch. You can uh, sign up by going to our website to register for that meal. Uh, our Sunday night activities continue tonight with our uh, youth, our children, our adults, and our music programs all going on. Uh, if you would like to be involved in any of those aspects of our Sunday night programs, we uh, invite you to do so. And you, again, you can find information about that on our website or on the inside of our bulletin. Uh, we are glad that you are here, and I'm going to turn it over to Daniel now to introduce our special musical guest this morning. We are so excited to have Brethren with us this morning. Uh, this is a men's vocal ensemble from the D.C. area. Uh, and the names Pat Vaughn and Lisa Gibbs-Smith may be familiar to some of you because they have been here many times uh, for choir jam, youth choir jam. Uh, but this is the first time that Pat has brought uh, Brethren here. They have been on tour this past week, and we're so glad that this is their last stop. Uh, but I'm in particular excited they're here because of the pieces that they're singing. Each of the pieces that they'll sing is truly worshipful in nature uh, and really poignant to the topic that we're discussing here today. So uh, with all that said, we invite you to worship. We invite the brethren here to worship, and the Lord be with you. Let us worship the living Lord.
I invite you to stand now in body or in spirit and join me for our call to worship. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? When evildoers assail me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes shall stumble and fall. One thing I asked of the Lord that I may seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in the Lord's temple. You'll find our opening hymn in The Faith We Sing, number 2236. Let us sing together of how God gathers us in to this place. This place, new light is streaming. Now is the darkness vanished away. See in this face our fears and our dreamings brought here to you in the light of this day. Gather us in the lost and forsaken. Thank you. 
we have gathered in to worship and praise the living God. Now let us confess our sins with our prayer of common confession and then our silent personal confession. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we live in a culture that thrives on angst and division. We are part of the problem. This morning, as we look at hard things, we acknowledge our pride, our conviction that we are right, and our desire that others know it. As we gather for worship, bring us together around your Son. Make your grace humble and empower us to listen and seek you more deeply this day. For we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hear now the good news. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the Lord's love for us. And as far as east is from west, so far does he remove our sins from us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. I invite you now to share signs of reconciliation and peace with those around you.
children to come forward for our children's message with our children's director, Karen Rios. Hello, everybody. My name is Karen Rios. I'm the director of Children's Ministries at Rebel United Methodist Church. And if you are online visiting with us today, and if there are any children present, please move a little bit closer to your screen because this time is for you. I'm kind of glad that I chose what I did given what we just heard because that was pretty spectacular. So thank you so much, gentlemen, for what you have given. So, as a lot of you know, I am a dancer. (laughs) And so, while you're wondering, what is she doing? I want to share with you that as a ballet dancer, I went to a ballet school, and I worked out with other dancers. And this is going to represent our Red Gems. Basically, we all had the same lifestyle. We would go from school to the ballet studio to home. Sounds so very exciting, doesn't it? And we basically did everything, five, six days a week, many hours a day. So we knew the same language. We talked the same talk. We had the same, sadly, life experiences, so many of us. So I'm going to go on and put this in our jar here because this represents basically us being the same. Now I know you're awake. Well, soon I began to discover that there were other people, much like our guests, who were artists in different capacities, and they were also very professional. So what are some of the arts that you guys can name for me? Is there a type of an art that you can share with me? We just heard of one. Singing. Singing. Okay, is there... So... I began to work with other artists who sing. What about another artist? Okay, maybe musical instruments, because we're going to have a wonderful musician play later on. Oops, I lost one. And what about even graphic arts, like drawing, painting, And I'm putting all of these in because I want you to know something. So now, much like last week when I got to dance with Daniel, Mr. Daniel and Miss Karina, now I've got all of this hodgepodge of many different gemstones. And one of the things that God wants to teach us is that when everybody works together, and this art, the artist, is is a representation of the fact that we can create beauty for God's kingdom. So in our diversity, we get to create beauty when we all come together. Why don't you pray with me? Dear Jesus, thank you for the gifts of each person. And thank you that when we come together, we create beauty for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can go back to your seats.
Please join me in praying the prayer of illumination. Calm us now, O Lord, into a quietness that heals and listens. Open wounded hearts to the balm of your word. Speak to us in clear tones so that we might feel our spirits leap for joy and skip with hope as your resurrection witnesses. Amen. Today's first scripture reading is from the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verses 9 through 12. This may be found on page 999 in your pew Bible. The writer describes a vision of all humanity worshiping before the throne of God. After this, I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne, around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, singing, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. This is a word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our second reading for the morning comes from the Gospel of John, reading in the first chapter, reading verses 35 through 42. Will you listen once again for the Word of God? The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, this morning, as we continue to talk about hard things... It is our prayer that you would work in our midst. Open our hearts, open our minds, enable us to acknowledge the hard things that are in our midst, 
But in all things, enable us to remember that you are not hard. You are grace, you are love, and you are mercy. For this prayer we offer to you through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Well, again, as uh, mentioned earlier, this morning we are continuing our sermon series entitled Hard Questions. We've been taking on some hard ones. We're going to continue to take on some hard ones. And this, and today we come up against what is arguably the hardest one of our series. Namely, is God as exclusive as the church sometimes seems? You know what? There are a whole lot of There are multiple reasons for this growing cultural narrative of the church as being exclusive. But perhaps two stories can introduce the primary issues for us this morning. You know, recently I spoke in a lengthy conversation with a man who is not from this church, not from this community, doesn't even live in this community. But, you know, when I listened to him, it was very clear that God was at work in this young man's life. He was hungry. He wanted to know about the Bible. He wanted to know about the Scriptures. He wanted to know about prayer. He just kept asking, what kind of Bible can I buy? Just going at it for a good while. We had a great conversation. Everything was rolling along. But then we got to that other issue. He had heard of the United Methodist struggles over issues of inclusivity in the LGBTQ community. And he went on to describe his very good friends who are gay, how important they were in his life. Though he didn't use these words, it was clear to me that for him to jump into the waters of the Christian faith, this was a deal breaker. It was a deal breaker. Here's what I also know, friends, that almost every single one of us who are here today could point to somebody we know, somebody we have spoken with, somebody in our family who would or could present a very similar scenario and situation. So let me tell you another story. I've told some of you this story before, but a while back, it was a few years ago, I was uh, selling a bike on Facebook Marketplace. You know, every time you go to Facebook Marketplace, you meet all God's children right? Every, con- every time I've sold, there's always a story that follows, right? So I ran the ad, and a young woman responded very quickly. She came to the house, and she bought the bike immediately. She was vivacious. She was full of energy. She was fun. She was full of conversation, and we were working out the details. We were striking up this conversation. She had just moved here. She had just, from the West Coast, she had a new job, and she wanted to buy the bike so she could enter into the biking community and get to know people. And she then asked what I did for a living, which I am always hesitant to say, right? That's like the conversation stopper. So I told her I was a pastor, and you know what? I was getting ready to invite her to come and join us for worship at Reveille. And then, but she immediately asked me, what denomination are you from? And I said, United Methodist. And without blinking, and as she began a bit too quickly to put the bike into the car, she said this, and I quote, well, I guess that doesn't scare me too much. I guess that doesn't scare me too much. You know, here's a reminder. Most of us in the room may not be asking this hard question. But I will tell you, there are many who are not in the room this morning, and they are asking it. And that is the primary reason we're addressing this today. But let's begin and start 
with an unsurprising spoiler alert. The answer to this question is going to be a very clear no. God is not as exclusive as the church sometimes seems. God welcomes everybody. But we will see that our answer, though absolutely correct, might be a bit simplistic. And as we answer this question, we need to be careful. Careful because we very well may find the living God and the risen Jesus asking even harder questions of us. So with that in mind, let's just jump into these two readings that we shared together for the morning. The first is that powerful picture of what heaven really looks like. Coming from Revelation. Did you see see it? Every tribe, every culture, every nation gathered in front of the Lamb, singing songs of praise and worship. Did you catch the detail? Even in eternity, people maintain their ethnicity. Think about that. But they also, we also, unite around Jesus. You see what that picture is? It's a picture of God's consummate desire and plan to reach everybody in the world and incorporate us into that act of worship. When you and I pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, do you realize that's what we're praying for? When we seek to embrace ethnic diversity, when we seek to not be homogeneous in our Sunday morning worship and other activities, it's because of this picture. We are trying to make this world, we are trying to make this church, we are trying to make this community look like that. Now, not often, but in my 30-some years of ministry, a couple times, less than a handful of times, I've encountered that line line from white folks, referring to non-white people, saying, and I quote, why can't they have their own church? Well, see, open your Bibles. This is why. This is why we welcome all ethnicities, all people into our worship. This is why God is not as exclusive as the church sometimes seems. But I've often thought about it. I think every week I think about that young woman who was in my driveway that day. Why? Why was she so fearful of the church? Maybe it's not that hard, right? Because it's happened right after January 6th. It's happened in the midst of the peak of media attention around the various labels that you and I are still dealing with almost every day. White nationalism. Christian nationalism. White supremacy and the affiliation or at least perceived affiliation of these movements with certain segments of the church. But hopefully it's clear by now why these movements are fundamentally misguided. Dare we say, the movements are not of God. The trouble is that despite the powerful symbols, the raised symbols of crosses, and the raised symbols of Bibles, the thought and actions don't reflect the words within the Bible. The thoughts and the actions and the words, they don't reflect the Savior who was on that cross. The challenge is that their belief system is based on a cultural ethic and narrative dressed up with Scripture instead of going the other way around. 
You know, recently I was reading an article by Russell Moore. I don't know if you know him. He is, used to be one of the leaders in the Southern Baptist Church. Uh, he left the church a number of years ago amongst all the scandals and with the increased political affiliations. But he went to be one of the chief editors at Christianity Today. And in all of the fussing, he wrote a book. It's called Losing Our Religion an altar call for evangelical America. And as the book came out, he did a number of interviews, but I heard one on NPR, and he was explaining why he wrote this book and why he thinks that Christianity is in such crisis today. And he said basically this. He said, I wrote this book because of having multiple pastors tell me essentially the same story about quoting the Sermon on the Mount parenthetically in their preaching. You know the Sermon on the Mount, turn the other cheek, kindness, mercy, compassion, all that. And he said, someone would come up after and say, where did you get those liberal talking points? And what was alarming to me, he says, is that in most of the scenarios, when the pastor would say, I'm literally quoting Jesus Christ, the response would not be, I apologize. The response would be, yes, but that doesn't work anymore, that's weak. You see why my friend was scared in the driveway? There's this powerful force out there today that's claiming the Christian narrative. But it's based on a cultural ethic instead of a scriptural ethic that you see in these words focused on the person of Jesus Christ. That's the point. Jesus is welcoming of everybody. But that's not a political talking point. It's an ethic deeply rooted in the character of Christ and the ultimate image of what the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and eternity itself is going to look like. It includes all races, not just one. Well, friends, the question around inclusivity is, of course, not just racial. Most of all, most all of you know that our culture, but particularly Our denomination is dealing with this subject in the issue of LGBTQ inclusion. And in those old words of Joan Rivers, can we talk? Can we talk? You know, we spoke to this issue at some length at our State of the Church conversation last Sunday with a reminder that welcoming people is a core belief for the leadership of this church. In our visioning over these last years, our leadership has been very clear in the language of our defining statements. When we said, and I quote, we will welcome everyone without exception. That's some defining language in our documents. Every week we put a statement in the bulletin that has just been updated, reminding us and everybody that we welcome everybody into our midst. And I, I need to tell you how many times visitors, guests have commented on that statement that's in our bulletin as being helpful for them to make their way here. But the point is, this is who we are. We're going to welcome everyone into worship. We can welcome everybody into leadership, into membership, into discipleship, into service, and to baptism. Now, to be clear, our United Methodist Discipline, that's our our guiding book, the, the policies and the rules, It has instructed and says that clergy shall not preside at same-gender weddings. Churches shall not hold same-gender weddings. Now, in all fairness, there is a good chance that that will change in the months, probably years to come. But at Reveille, we're going to still hold to the discipline now. 
Our clergy will not preside at same-gender weddings. We will not hold them here. When I was ordained, I made a promise to God that I would uphold the discipline, and I will continue to do that. But in one, so in one sense, we have answered this question at Reveille. But the second reading, when you listen to it, it continues to push us. Remember that these words we read in John, they comprise the very first words of Jesus in the gospel. And while they certainly are intensely invitational, Jesus says, come and see. And John is intentionally extending that invitation to you and me when we open the book. And it's an invitation to come and see what John has to say in the book. But you see, just before that, the very first words of Jesus, he says to the disciples and to you and me, what do you want? Why are you here? What are you seeking? With those words, we are reminded that our work is not just about welcoming everybody, as fundamental as that is, because our our ultimate goal is not for people just to come. Our goal is for people to belong. You hear that? Our goal is for folks to belong. Our goal is for folks to be followers of Jesus. And if you think about that mathematically, welcoming is a math of addition. But the kingdom is about multiplication. Our goal is not just to have another plan. We want a seed that's going to multiply a hundredfold. So as important as the language of inclusivity and welcoming is, it's also to remember, if we're not careful, they can be passive words. Jesus wants people to come who will go deeper in their relationship with him and invite other people to do the same. And friends, let's not forget, there really are conditions for following Jesus. You know, you can't be a member of this church, really of any church, unless you have been baptized. You can't be a member unless you've been baptized. And being baptized, when you think about it, that requires some hard things. To be baptized, you have to be able to repent. That means you have to be able to admit We have to be able to admit we are wrong. To be baptized, we have to confess our faith in Christ. But in all of it, we have to admit that we are sinners, that you come to the waters of baptism with humility, or you don't come at all. And when you think about it, even the table has conditions, the communion table. Now, we say everybody's welcome to the table. That's, of course, true. But everybody is welcome at the table except those who are perfect. We welcome sinners to the table, right? You have to be a sinner who needs Jesus to get the fullness of what he offers to you and me here. So all that is true, and we, have, we do have to deal with some conditions to, to come to Jesus. But even though all that is true, Jesus still casts hard questions to us as we welcome everybody, sinners that we are. And the first is this, what do we do when people arrive who are different from us? What do we teach? What do we affirm? What do we not affirm? Let me see if I can highlight this with a story. Uh, Because several months ago, this issue came up three times in one week. In three scenarios that came to my attention and came to, to me. And one of those is appropriate for a conversation from the pulpit. But know that this is multiplied in other scenarios. 
Because this last summer, we had kids camp here at Reveille. This is a time where we invite our third to fifth graders to a week of mission and worship and Bible study. It's a great event and appropriately attracts folks who are not a part of our congregation. Well, in one of these small groups, one of the young people very plainly stated to the other kids and the leaders in the group that his parents are, I quote, polyamorous. In that case, that meant that this child had a mother who lived with two fathers, one of whom was the father, the biological father. They all lived together as a family in the home. And they were there having dinner with us. And I need to say here that at this point, our leadership guidance from our church was extraordinarily helpful. We welcome people without exception. That's who we are. And we were doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing. And after the dinner, I was hoping to have a time of conversation with the family and speak with them. Unfortunately, they left likely intentionally before the worship started. I was never able to follow up. But what if they had stayed? Jesus said, come and see. He was inviting the disciples to a life of belonging, of fellowship, of multiplication. How do we do that? You see my point. Here's a really hard question. We're going to welcome everybody. That's the acts, that is the literal truth. But the next step is so much harder. Well, I tell you what, I had a plan. I had a plan to deal with all this. So um, one of my duties um, is to be what they call the presiding elder over all the, geog- the United Methodist churches in this area. There's 11 churches um, around us, and we get together every um, other month or so. So I said, you know, let's put this, I, I quoted all three scenarios to these pastors. I said, let's talk about this. Let's figure this out together. So I told the folks of the story. I invited them at the next scheduled meeting to come and offer their perspectives. We scheduled out. Everybody could make it. Everything was good. We're making our way to the meeting. But one by one, these churches started peeling off until we had nobody coming, right? So, okay, fair enough. Busy clergy, busy churches. Let's schedule again. Put out the Google poll. Everybody says, I can do this day. We select a date. It's all good. A couple months in advance. Let's get together. 11 churches. A few days ahead, one by one, <laughs> churches start peeling off. But we weren't going to let it go this time. So uh, we were going to get together no matter what. So there we were, gathered with three of 11 churches and five people to talk about this issue. And three of them were from Reveille, and I made bio and Stephen come. Nobody wants to deal with this. Do you get it? We are good at welcoming everyone, but we are challenged with next steps. And very few people, and it's understandable, want to address limiting principles in the area of human sexuality. What's in? What's out? And we are just as guilty. You know, we sent out the GPS this week. Um, You know, we sent out all those verses ahead of time, do the devotions ahead of time. We had two people ask us, why are we not dealing with those limiting principles? Those questions came in before we even got here. Because on one hand, we want to affirm people. We want to welcome people. And we want to hold up that value. But how do we also speak to deeper issues of teaching and belonging in the context of sexual sexuality in this world of cultural and sexual diversity. How do we do that? Maybe that's a real hard question. On one hand, perhaps the solution is what many who are here and many who are not would say. Come on, it's just sex. What's the big deal? 
But you see, as tempting as that is to say in this day and age, it's something you can never say as a part of the church with integrity. No matter where you and I are on the political spectrum, we can agree with the clear Judeo-Christian understanding of human sexuality. Now, there is disagreement on the limiting principles, but hopefully there is little disagreement on the fundamentals, because in our tradition, friends, sex is never just sex. Atheists can say that. Humanists can say that. It's just chemicals and body parts. But when you turn to the Scriptures and see the words of Genesis, see the words of Jesus, this union represents so much more, that place where two become one flesh. And as such, scripturally, fundamentally in our tradition, it is characterized as a thing of beauty and a thing of mystery, but also points to the relationship and union within the Trinity itself. See, in this tradition, it's not about self-seeking pleasure, but about mutual serving, the lifting up of two people, both created in the image of God. And that's why it's so often associated throughout the Scriptures in the context of marriage. Not because it's a hard rule so much, but because it's the natural place where this beauty, this mystery, this trust, this one, where it's elevated and self-service is elevated. Self-servanthood to the other is elevated. And perhaps that, though not the ultimate solution, is a beginning place. We do uphold inclusivity, but we also begin with the foundational teaching of God and of Jesus in the first place. Beginning of what this mystery of intimacy is, and not beginning with what it is not. Friends, I recognize we've gone a little bit longer here than usual But please know it's important that we speak with some depth and some care to this. As we have seen, the answer to this is not clear. I should say the answer is clear. God is not as exclusive as the church sometimes seems. God and we at Reveille Church, we welcome everybody without exception. The kingdom of God is one of ethnic diversity And we work to make this church and this community like that now. But after that, it gets hard. Because we want people to to belong. We want to multiply. We don't want to just add. And to do that, it's important that we continue to ask God and ourselves hard questions. We're going to do that again next week. You know, in just a moment now, we're going to sing this hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy. And you know what? I invite you to consider the ramifications of singing those words. Do you realize that we are singing the same words as those creatures of heaven, the saints of heaven? And for just a few, all too brief moments, thy kingdom has come, has come on earth as it is in heaven. But as we sing that holy hymn, let us remember what heaven looks like, that all God's people are welcome there. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. In that spirit, I invite you to stand and let us sing together those words, holy, 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 using hymn number 64.
As a church, let us remain standing and testify to what we believe. You'll find uh, the Apostles' Creed on page 881 of your hymnals. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Friends, let us clear our minds, let us close our eyes, and go to the Lord in prayer. Loving God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together as your disciples here to bring your kingdom on earth. Lord, in light of the message that was proclaimed on this day, Lord, we ask for you to be with us in all the ways that matter, Lord. We pray for you to help us, to help our neighbors, our neighbors who are struggling to feel included in all the areas and all the spaces and in all the ways, Lord. We pray for all those who are struggling, for those of us around the world who are struggling to discern where they are in the world, who are struggling with the realm of identity. We pray for those who are struggling and fighting and asking the questions, the questions that we need to be asking here, the questions of where do I fit in, The questions of where are you, Lord? Where are you in all the areas and all the challenges and all the struggles in my life? Lord, we pray for those who are wrestling with those feelings in the church. 
We pray for those who are struggling outside of the church. We pray for our neighbors and our friends who we wish were here to join us on this day in person or online, but are hesitant and are wrestling and are struggling because of feelings of exclusion. Lord, we pray for our, all of us here at the body of Christ, here in Reveille Church and our church beyond, Lord. We pray that you'll be able to help us adopt these attitudes, not just here on this Sunday morning, but to take it to inform our Monday through Saturday, Lord. Help, it to be, help us to apply it to our attitudes into our walking, daily living lives, Lord. Help us in those areas of divisions, of schisms, and isms, Lord. Be with us and help us to recognize that our diversities, whatever they may be, whether it's our race, our age, our gender orientation, our sexuality, our social economic status or class, help us in those areas to recognize that our diversities don't have to be means to divide us. Help us to be and grow into your body, into the body of Christ, all different members, all part of the same body, Lord. And we lift up these prayers to you, the ones spoken here on this day, and the ones that are unspoken on our hearts. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, let us continue our time of worship by giving our gifts back to God. And I invite our ushers to come up.
Friends, please join me in spirit of prayer. Lord God, we thank you for this day and this time. And now as we give our gifts back to you, we pray that these gifts can go to transform the world in all the ways they need to be transformed. We lift up these prayers to you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And all, and all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Friends, I'd like to invite you to join me in singing our final hymn on page number 568, Christ in the World We Sing. I want to say a special word of thanks to you, brethren, who have come to sing for us today. We so appreciate your ministry with us, and I want to thank you in helping us to remember that in all the hard questions, it's important that we give Jesus the last word, as they have just offered. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden and weary, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Those were the words that were sung and to which we can cling as we go in to face the continuing hard questions that come our way, as we go in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.